This is James Fox, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. It's a review of a documentary, and we haven't done one of these for a while. Dan, welcome back. Fresh off of recording our first recording for weeks and weeks and weeks. We're yeah, doing two stuff. 100%, yeah, shaking the rust off. Um, a Tear in the Sky, Dan, was announced some time ago, and the documentary from the team at UAPX. Well, I say the team at UAPX, or was it all Caroline Corey? That depends on how you feel after the opening minutes of this documentary. But A Tear in the Sky, nonetheless, is brought to you, uh, in my opinion, by the team at UAPX, uh, Gary Verhees, Kevin Day, Jeremy McGowan, and others. There's a whole a whole cast list involved. Um, check out aterrinthesky.com for full details of everything we're going to talk about here. Um, we were sent an advanced screener, so thank you very much for, for to those who, who sort those out. We tend to get these. We just don't like to show off or brag about it online because loads of people want to see these things and desperately want to watch them more than us and part with our hard-earned money for them as well. So we're very fortunate to get them, get advanced copies. So we always appreciate it. Um Written, directed, and produced by Caroline Corey. Dan, what do you know of Caroline Corey? To be honest, when when this was announced, to me, it was a, a UAPX-based thing. I, I've come to understand that that's not the case, and that mm-hmm. Caroline and her media company kind of ran things. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of Caroline's other films, I, I wasn't familiar with the name necessarily being attached to anything. Um but I'm I'm curious based on the vibes I got of the of how the piece was put together. What else she's done? Go on, enlighten me. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of background. So Caroline Corey is an award-winning filmmaker and the visionary author of best-selling books on consciousness, science, and energy medicine. As a child and throughout her life, Corey has had numerous UFO encounters, as well as ESP extrasensory and precognition experiences which led her to become deeply connected to existential topics the study of consciousness and the mechanics of the universe um caroline corey managed to like yourself dan i was 100 percent the same where i thought this was a uapx vehicle because we have heard and i don't mean the osiris you know lol uh, we have heard for some time that uapx wanted to get to catalina or other areas like that and get some some real proper science and data gathering done using the Osiris, using boats and various different parts of equipment. And this seemed like, oh, they've, they've finally managed to get it done. Yes, exactly. And they're going to be releasing the the footage and the data. And, you know, we get to watch that being done as well. Skinwalker Ranch-esque. And I'm going to come back to that, okay? Um, it's interesting you said that. Yeah, I'm going to say it a few times, I think, throughout this. And like you say, like yourself, Dan, Caroline Corey, it seems to be Caroline Corey Presents, UAPX and Friends. And (laughs) yeah, so from the start, it opens uh, to civilians discussing sightings. Interesting, yep, it's it's some... Faceless people we don't really know, but they're, they're sharing, you know, they've saw a sighting, they've saw a saucer, they've saw a disc, or they've saw an orb. Great, cool, but that's what we're here for. Then the special guest uh, names attract your attention. William Shatner, Mitchell Kaku. I'll, I'll say straight off the bat, Dan, they did not have to be in this. I, I literally have that in my notes here. It was nice to see Shatner, and it was nice to see uh, Mitchell, but I don't really feel like they needed them. 
um it it felt it felt like so they could be put in the trailer as opposed to anything else and and it makes me wonder how much of the budget went that way because shatner can't be cheap right i i would hope nothing and they'd done this purely because of their love for the subject because shatner gave throwaway sound bites and god love him william shatner is an absolute legend of the the silver screen and the the small screen um, obviously Star Trek was huge and he'll forever be in people's memory for, for all sorts of things. Personally, as a, as a wrestling fan, I remember William Shatner reading the lyrics to Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy and other theme tunes famously on an episode of Raw. William Shatner is that type of type of character that will live in so many people's memories. But he, I think of Futurama. Yeah, future, yeah all, all sorts of stuff. The Simpsons, as we know, right? But not for this he isn't needed for this and this seems that either caroline corey has called in a favor and called in michio kaku who we love to see in various different things but they are celebrity talking heads that don't need to be any part of this documentary they they detract from it they take away from it and i hope they haven't take away and taken away any of the budget that could have went to the upx guys and what they were trying to accomplish here yeah absolutely straight off the bat it would be a shame if you know they didn't get an extra Fleer camera, for example, because they had to go to Shatner's house and film with him. You, you know, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say that there are things about this I enjoyed, and I know you did as well, Dan, but there are some things that really frustrated me or I disliked, and this was one of them. I feel Carolyn Corey, who again wrote, directed, and produced this, turned it a little bit into her own piece rather than being about UAPX and the data and try to make it like a bit of Ancient Aliens, the movie. It, or, it certainly had that vibe in places, didn't it? It, it was. I think it was the stage scenes. You, you know, I, yeah. I understand. This goes to, to me saying that it was interesting that you mentioned Skinwalker, because they, they have a kind of a stage scene at the end. And I say stage very loosely because it's just the production crew get everyone into the room and sit them all at a table and make them talk. But... Unless, unless the people doing that are actors, you can just sense how uncomfortable they are and things like that, and it just it makes for really awkward watching. So I, I would just say, you know, if if you're a filmmaker, don't don't do that. Please don't do that. It, it really it really just ruins the what you've got going on. Yeah, it, it it seemed like they took the the worst things of Skinwalker Ranch, the TV series, and threw it all into this this documentary again it's the sort of stuff that people criticize when they see these types of pieces and it puts them off watching them again and i think that's really frustrating because i don't think it should be difficult to make one of these and make it well um it's it's funny you say that as well because i think in some ways this might have worked better as a as a you know a four or five episode television show about the and really go in depth with the uepx guys about what they were doing the equipment they had and and you know really make it a fly on the wall documentary as opposed to this super slick super staged in parts uh film yeah um caroline cody introduces the documentary talking about the 2017 new york times article how it changed a lot and it mentions the go fast gimbal and you know the, the those videos that we've all become so accustomed to we get a recap of the 2004 nimitz princeton event can, can i just ask did you did you enjoy the cgi backgrounds during all of these kind no. of sound, sound bites i i don't understand why those were there again it's just added expense and i don't know how much it cost but it made it look super cheesy when they could have they, they were in this beautiful location with catalina behind them you know <laughs> I, I know how that goes use it have an interview on the beach even, or something even like a, a stool with a brick wall behind them you yeah. know art 
tastefully shot would have looked really nice yeah and just focus on the people and the conversation and what gary and kevin and jeremy and kevin and the other kevin sorry and all the rest of them want to yeah. accomplish it ends up being rather than all it is it just screams of let's make this look like ancient aliens because people love ancient aliens a lot of people watch ancient aliens because they find it a joke and they don't have an interest in the subject and it's like so what audience are you going for here you're trying to present a serious scientific data gathering team with some really serious equipment that we'll get to which is really cool in a really jokey cheesy old-fashioned ufology way and it's just it, uh, it's another one of those documentaries <laughs> that really frustrates me yeah it, it's a little frustrating having having been out and taken part in filming a documentary as well which is yet to come and people can judge that on its own terms but from what and I've I seen of it, I'm confident that, you know, there were no staged moments like that. Everyone was very natural talking. It, You know, there's not going to be any cutaways that are kind of filmed after and put in and just look just terrible and take you out of the film. It's just going to be a genuine, you know, bunch of people doing an investigation, which I expected this to be. Yeah. And this, I wanted to hear from, from Gary, from Kevin Day, from Kevin Knuth, you know, uh, Matthew, is it Zagadis, Jason Turner, Dave Altman, Jeremy McGowan, and the others who appeared? I didn't need to hear from from Kaku and Shatner and Caroline Corey as often as I did. Yeah. Um, the the recap of the two thousand four Nimitz Princeton event. Stephen Greenstreet even shows up, and for someone who recently has had yeah. so little interest in the UFO subject, he certainly gets himself about the ufo documentaries doesn't he big, big um, shout out to chrissy though because she shows up and, and chrissy has just joined uh somewhere in the sky not too long ago and she's doing great with ryan over there so uh she does big a, up lot to people, those guys. a lot of people do get involved and, and that's great um it, it, we get to kevin day and this is where i maybe started enjoying it a little bit and it's one of the things i did enjoy about the documentary kevin day talks about how frustrated he was and we've seen the emotion in the past with him as well that this this ended his career and, yeah. and like we talked about, Dan, in the the breaking news pod about the upcoming, if you're listening to this before the 17th of May, congressional hearings, then, you know, this, this ended people's careers. It potentially took people's lives, this, you know, these experiences. And Kevin kind of gets that across on, on camera without any need for CGI backgrounds and intense music playing. Um we then cut back to Caroline. Can I, can I just take a beat here just to say, Go. like, I'm not sure if he's listening. I, I know Kevin has said previously that he's listened to a few episodes of ours and things like that, but he, he supported me in another way by kind of, he gave out the, the Tic Tac design uh, mugs he did, yeah. as gifts. And I just wanted to say a big thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, it means the world that he enjoyed that art and, and it, you know, scratched that spot for him. So yeah. Thank you, Kevin. No, that was really cool. I remember I saw that on Facebook and shared it with you. Uh, Caroline Corey then announces she decided to take on this challenge. And I've got here, folks, peek behind the actor's curtain. Um, hmm, wasn't it Gary and UAPX who spearhead this? Caroline, whether she means to or not, makes out that this was all her idea and that she's almost hired these people to put this plan in motion when I think if you've been following UAPX that you know this has been something they've been looking to do for quite some time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know why it was presented like that, because it doesn't really add anything. You, you know, no. again, compared to Skinwalker, Brandon Fugal is paying for the whole operation, but he doesn't keep rocking up, kind of lording it over everyone. It's a fairly even documentary that he's a part of. You know, he doesn't feature more, le he features less, if anything. 
Yeah, it's like him rocking up behind Eric Bard, tapping him on the shoulder in the command centre and saying, so what are my computers saying today, Eric? Like, it's, <laughs> that's not the point. Um, so it, it lessens the, the, the importance, in a way, of UAPX when this is very much their venture. Um, for me, and if I'm wrong, someone can correct me, but I don't. I don't think that. No, is. I, I I would agree, and it, it's a shame because there there are a bunch of individuals. You know, no matter what you feel about the the work that's been done in the documentary and stuff, you know, we'll we'll see the results in the, the SEU, but they've put themselves out there to do this work and that deserves a massive amount of respect. And it's a shame that they weren't lifted up in the way that a lot of us expected them to be. Yeah, the the Shatner sound bites come in. The editing's pretty poor of these, where you're you're getting very vague and random points that William Shatner's probably being told to say, or he's made a very generic statement and it's being interspliced with the, the video. Things like, UFOs are real. The government have admitted that. And it's like, ancient aliens. It's just an ancient aliens advert <laughs> at that point. Um, Caroline Corey and William Shatner have put turned this into pure ancient aliens. Gary and Kevin being introduced to Jeremy. Now, correct me, Dan, again, if I'm wrong, but they already had met Jeremy before this. They and there's had, a whole yeah. handshake that goes on. And, hi, yeah, nice to meet you. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. That, that that serves that serves no one. Again, it looks like Carolyn's brought her friend Jeremy along who has this car that I don't know if she's going to claim that she also paid and financed that, which we know is definitely not true. <laughs> no, I mean, um, you know, Jeremy's made that through blood, sweat and tears and literally fire. Um, You, you know, he he's put that together himself and, and again it would be nice to see that lifted up because those efforts are the efforts with that we need from people now you know jeremy did put the the osiris together which is an incredible piece of kit um did he also design the graphic dan on the side of it <laughs> no he didn't and and a thank you to the producers in this film for for not blocking any of my work out because it features in quite a few scenes kind of on the back of laptops and things like that so yeah that that insignia was really cool and it was Dan that designed that, folks, just for anyone. <laughs> but that's something, obviously, we when we spoke to Jeremy some time ago on the podcast, along with Sean at the time, um, that we, we talked about as well. So go back and check that one out if you haven't heard. Things have moved on and changed a lot since then, but still worth listening to that one. Um, Gary and Kevin talk about the south part of Catalina Island being an area they really want to focus on. Right, this is another bit where I feel we've, we've seen a bit about Kevin talking about his experiences, the emotion, how it changed his career and ended his career. I really enjoyed that. Cuts away all the nonsense. Back to Gary and Kevin. Again, I'm invested because they're talking about the south part of Catalina, uh, Catalina Islands being an area they want to focus on. Something we've talked about several times on the podcast as well, Dan. It's it's an, a hot spot that people are very interested in something potentially being housed or based or very much present under the water there or at least using that part of the water for, for unknown reasons. Um, the team talk about data collection, optical, thermal, acoustic, and more types of data they can collect. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, good, we're finally getting into the reason I thought I was watching this documentary. This is what UAPX have been talking about for a long time. We're going to get to see them putting their plan into action. Did, did you laugh when, so my notes basically kind of say about the stage scenes and it finishes kind of saying clearly this is very skinwalker and then the next note is oh travis taylor's just popped up uh, oh. i i actually thought he was beneficial to this because he broke things down you, you could kind of see the experience he had with playing to an audience stop reading my notes so yeah i'll get to that in a second <laughs> right i've almost got the same word for word okay. just before just before that just before travis taylor turns up uh, kevin day says that he wants to prove these objects are real findable and that they are knowable. 
Um, and he says, we can know what they are. Dan, I want to ask you, is there potential that as a species and where we are right now that we can't know what these are? I knew you were going to ask that. And yeah, absolutely. There's every possibility that we literally can never see or experience an interaction with whatever they are. We might see the vehicle that they're in, but they could just be unknowable to us forever. You know, like Like I said, um, the, the lack of a fingerprint could end up being their fingerprint. It's that fish analogy again, isn't it? Of the fish, and we are the fish, and we can see the bottom of the shiny boat, and you can see the light around it, and the refraction of the bottom of the boat, and you don't know what's on top of it, you don't know what's inside of it, and as a fish, you literally physically can't get up and into the boat, yeah, but absolutely. you can get up close to it, and you can bounce off it, and maybe the propeller catches you and injures you. But it it does make me wonder though, because at a certain point, you know, there's a creature in the ocean that sees that fish and evolution kind of starts pushing it towards being able to get on the boat and live there and it goes onto land. And, you know, there's there's an argument that to be made that now we're a kind of a spacefaring species and we're pushing towards the bottom of the oceans that our perceptions are opening up and more of us than ever are kind of encountering odd things that are out there because our perceptions are changing. There, there is every possibility of that. It's very interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was a really nice quote from Kevin, and I'm guessing he wasn't paid the same as Mitchell Kaku and William Shatner to say it either. So, <laughs> I mean, thank Ke- you. Kevin knows that these things have an electromagnetic signature. To him, that's knowable. You know, he can see it on his screen um, and and define it. Um, he he knows that that signature doesn't belong to anything else that that is in the human made inventory, as far as he knows. Uh, so so yeah, I, I'd say that he knows it in an unknowable way. Sure. Um, on the surface, they seem to have a lot of reasonable and pretty advanced equipment throughout the team, not just the Osiris with Jeremy. Um, I I thought that was really good. I liked seeing the setup. Um, Are we talking all... about James Mason and his inventions? Um, which were? So uh, we had the the light wave transmitter. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, the basically it could translate from light to sound uh, sonification. I believe that's called and back again. But it could play kind of different radio stations essentially at the same time. So it could broadcast across frequencies. So I, I really kind of I made a few notes to kind of mention David Mason here because this is something that I would have loved to have seen more. He like where did he get the ideas to kind of make these you know like did he have an experience has he grown up with this interest he seems very very intelligent um it, it would have been lovely to kind of really get into that you, you know he or did he make these in a garage well it, it was pretty interesting stuff and again just before we get to travis taylor um i was impressed with the equipment i wanted to see more of that you know i was happy to see the setup of it you know what they were doing why they were doing it they they cut to dave altman uh, and he spots what what seems to be a plane, and there's a few occasions during the documentary, and whether it is the dramatization or misidentification or just the way it's presented, we get quite a lot of shots and moments where we're looking at a whole lot of nothing, the way it's being presented, and it's doing that. Oh, would you look at that? There's a light in the sky. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story about the first firefly I ever saw in Colombia, um, and and it caused a ruckus. A bunch of us had never seen one. There was a single firefly, and it kind of messes with your perception because you feel like it's it's you know bigger and further away uh, than it actually is, and it kind of covers ground in a way that you you just think it's going faster than it is because of that depth perception issue. Mm-hmm. But for I would say 
a good five minutes in Colombia, a whole bunch of us were transfixed by this light in the sky in the forest that was jumping around. And we were just like, what the hell is this? And it took us ages. And eventually we figured out it was a firefly. And I, I don't know if this is going to be in the documentary, but I have the footage in the moment where I kind of saw it against the moonlight and the wings flapping and just realized, oh, I see my first firefly. But this moment reminded me of that, that it, it would have been cool to see them just debunk themselves instead of play this up. But I wonder if that's to do with, you know, maybe if UAPX had had creative control over this film, they just wouldn't have included that bit at all because they concluded that actually it was prosaic. It was a plane or something. So Dan, do you know what? See for me, and when it comes to phenomenology, I've said to you, I will review it fairly and honestly. And if I don't like it, I'll say, you know what? I've got issues with it. If I love it, I'll say that. And I'll I'll pick it apart the way I do anything else because it's only fair. Let's use that example then. For me, you have a moment which is interesting and can be quite fun. And as a viewer, I'm more than happy to see that, see a bunch of people seeing something they think might be anomalous, given what you're out there filming, you're you're hoping and looking for something. So there's a, a bias there, good or bad. 100%. However, if you show the the evolution of the, the moment and that you, you see it, you misidentify it, you then find out, actually, this is what it is. Here's how we made a mistake. It's the depth. Ah, right, okay. And you, you get that moment of, like you say, self-debunking. And right, actually, it was a firefly. Sure. That helps people because other folks can say, do you know what? Fair enough. They're not just out to to misidentify and yeah. misrepresent what they saw. But what seems to have happened here is if you take that same scene, Dan, that you see the firefly and all of a sudden we hear, do-do-doom, do-do-doom, do-do-doom. And some intense drums start playing. And then the camera starts shaking back and forward and Travis Taylor pops up in the background going, oh my God, what is that? And you start getting this really fake, intense scene and then it cuts off before you tell everyone it's a firefly. Sure. That, that's I have an issue with because yeah, you're, you're misrepresenting exactly what happened. And I feel that goes on quite a lot in this where they're looking for footage to be anomalous. I think it happens a lot in, in Dr. Stephen Greer's documentaries at times where they, they'll show things and they'll present it as anomalous and it's not. But, and again, in the same way that Fox, CNN, whatever the news station might be, will show well-known fakes or hoaxes or, you know, the, the Apple apps that you can make a UFO. And we've seen those on the on, on yeah. the, the live news with millions of people watching it. And it's just like, oh, come on. So yeah, that, that was disappointing to me. Um, and I don't think there's any need for it. Have the conversation. Oh, it could be a plane. It could be this. But you've got tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment round about you that Caroline Corey's bought for you, apparently. You know, use it and tell us why these things are what they are or why they might not be what they are. Um, that brings in Travis Taylor. I did a very slight eye roll when I saw Travis get involved because he's a big part of the Skinwalker Ranch series, but it, it's a known fact that Travis has been on other documentaries and shows of that type because as much as he is a scientist, he's also very charismatic and knows how to play to a camera. He's very good at being the guy who shows up and... You know, I don't think anything's going on here, but by the end of the episode, he's fully bought into the mystery and the intrigue and he pulls the viewer in. In that sense, it's his job and the History Channel put him on Skinwalker Ranch as the show. That wasn't one that Brandon, you know, my mate Travis, it was, no, no, we want this guy involved. Anyway, like you said, Dan, Travis Taylor does a very good job of playing, almost playing dumb when he clearly knows what this equipment does. He breaks it down and like you see, he talks about the one of the 
was it the same piece of equipment that he mentions oh so it filters out all the the signals in the background so you can exactly. get a really good look he knows that but he's telling you the viewer and that's exactly. something that i need i'm like ah okay so that's what that does and he gives you a nice simple context as to how this very special very fancy very advanced equipment works and how it's going to be used in this documentary so i, I like that i appreciated that yeah i i agree it, it was it was good to see you, you know when when he was against people that just aren't used to that environment uh you you could see how easy he was and and the benefits that he brought to a production he, he was a bit of a mesh wasn't he for it bringing it together and i i like that and no issues that that was a good use yeah, of travis sure. um there were some lovely shots of the area it's a beautiful beautiful picturesque area and um, the skies the filming of the nighttime stakeouts i thought was really cool i would love to see like actually I, I don't want to see it now but at the time seeing this for the first time in like 4k you know resolution would have been lovely if yeah, you could have got that nice nighttime shot and everything as well thinking like michael mann collateral style yeah, filming yeah. I would have been nice like the depth in the backgrounds and stuff shout out to anyone who has seen collateral with tom cruise and jamie fox great movie phenomenal movie uh michael hall says that they've picked up some uap and um, the data they have collected shows no sound it didn't activate their fisheye system um but it shows on one camera but not on another and i thought this was interesting but i wanted to ask you dan with no i've not given you this beforehand did you have any thoughts at the time watching it of what that could be and why something would show up on one camera but not the other so i i mean you you might predict this but i would invoke hestalen um and earthlights and things like that they they were literally tracked going from you know visible light into non-visible light um and and they move essentially from one camera screen to the other um as they kind of move from through through the spectrum so it it could be a similar phenomena that they're seeing there you know you can see it on radar but you can't see it with your eyes or you can see it with your eyes but it doesn't show up on the FLIR because it doesn't have a temperature and there there are all these kind of oddities that that add up to a kind of low observability which is one of the five observables right but that's still something potentially anomalous so you're you're, you're quite happy when you saw that and how it was presented because for me I was like oh that is quite interesting but are there going to be people sitting there shouting at their TVs going, no, that'll just be this or just be this. But if it is that sort of light phenomena, then yeah, okay. It's, it's potentially something pretty cool. This is kind of the trouble with the nature of the, the beast. You know, this documentary, the data and the review of the data is coming later. I almost wish they'd held off kind of finishing the documentary until they could present the data properly and say what they'd found, whether it was prosaic or not. You know, it was about, the whole expedition for me and kind of cutting off the end just kind of i don't know it it every time i saw something interesting in the movie it kind of made me a little bit sad because i knew that i wasn't going to get any more information on it in this film and and for me i think that underpins the difference between what uapx would have done and what caroline corey did and wanted to do because shows like ancient aliens and the like aren't about presenting the data and the results, it's about the speculation and, oh, it could be this. And we'll leave that to your imagination because you want to watch the next episode now. Um, <laughs> objects picked up on FLIR are tic-tac looking. Um, you, you know you know when someone's just heard the call term and they kind yeah. of just repeat the talk and I'm like, oh, they're tic-tacs. I, I, I got to say, Car Caroline didn't seem that kind of... You know, she was very nonplussed that they were possibly tic tacs. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the the objects kind of fall into the ocean floor. 
Um, it might have been Tic Tacs, it might not have been, but I wouldn't have said Tic Tacs, I would have said anomalous objects. You, you know, it kind of just speaks to trying to trying to get in with the kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a Tic Tac, but not quite a saucer, as the kids say and sing <laughs> these days. Um, I thought at this point, I was thinking it could do with a little ex- a better explaining of the readings being picked up, why these objects are interesting, and why they point to them potentially being anomalous. Yeah. But I think, like you say, Dan, we're we're getting an instantaneous shot of a screen, and then never mind the data that'll come later because that might not be of interest to you. So let's just leave it with the. Uh, it could be this and that's it. It's that one source thing again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if it's not interesting, it's not going to come up again later, right? You know, exactly. I, I really hope that they do just kind of say in the film we said this was interesting. It turned out it was a plane. Yeah, yeah one, like of the fl- one of the one of the cameras they look at. Um, for me, they, they talked about it being anomalous, but for me, it looked like a bird potentially zoomed in. They talk about it flying along and then turning a little. And but and again, do I sound like a Mick West here? But with no expertise, I was just looking, going, it, it looks like a bird swing, and maybe it's not that far away. But they didn't present the data or have someone explain it to me why sure. this could be something more than just a bird flying so it lent very much on the this is anomalous because yeah. look at it it, it would have been that's cool it. if maybe you know say there were five clips of interesting things throughout the film if they'd have labeled them and then at the end kind of came back to say okay number one what was it we checked the radar we checked this we checked whether it was a bird and they kind of just broke them down and you know for better or worse if they were prosaic or not it, it would have been really cool to see them just knock those down and and yeah figure them out I mean, that could have been the end of it, where they, they, they go through five slides and go the first four. Here's why it's a bird, a bug, a firefly, Dan's hat getting thrown in the air. <laughs> However, do-do-dum, do-do-dum, slide five, slide nine. Hey. Uh, it, and it shows you an anomalous object, and they go, this is why we think it's anomalous. Yeah, And it could end on a note like that, and then more data to come, and that would be interesting, potentially. But they, they don't go that route. And I feel towards the end of the documentary, it's it's a lot of shots and discussion like that. Um, at that point, it seems to have run its course in terms of what Caroline Corey's looking to get out of it. She uses the line that they need to use scientific data to rule out human-made advanced technology. I listened back to that about three times to check that it wasn't just me not understanding that sentence, that you have to use scientific data to rule out human-made advanced technology. I think I know what she's getting at, but that screams to me that someone who has thought of a really intelligent line wrote it down and thought, I have to get that in there somewhere. And it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't quite fit. Um doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? No, no. It's, I, it's one of those, I know what you mean, I think, but but no. Yeah, like like drawing the Mona Lisa on an Esther sketch. Yeah. I, I can see what you're getting at, but you've done it in the wrong way, I, you know? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, the finale builds towards uh, a now infamous online. The um, wormhole. Yeah. Say it. <laughs> yeah, the, a potential wormhole anomaly. Yeah, they totally thing. call it a wormhole in the film. Yeah. They totally do. And and d- during the kind of the... UAPX did a post-film discussion. I'm going to get to the fallout as well, yeah. Sure. I, I was just going to say, Matthew does say, you know, when you kind of get caught up in the moment and you call it something and people pick up on it and that he was hoping that it wouldn't get used in the film, but unfortunately it did. Um, so, yeah, Matt, Matt Shidakis was was honest about that. And, you know, credit to him for it. It's just a shame that people have to see the post-film discussion to get that information. 
like when you spot a firefly in the forest, get excited, but within a few minutes realize it's it's not a UAP, it's a firefly. Yeah, for sure. And but I'll you... totally show that when, when the documentary yeah. starts airing, we're going to do some kind of live after shows uh, after the episode's there. And yeah, I'll, I'll show that footage. It, it was cool. <laughs> Dan, before we talk about a little bit of the fallout, overall, would you recommend this to people? Yes, and for a very specific reason. Because it shows that the floodgates are opening in terms of being able to go out and do these investigations yourself. Yes, the equipment is expensive, but it doesn't mean, you know, you've got a a high definition camera on your phone. You can film things. This documentary could have been made for for a lot cheaper. Um, And, you know, I've seen some of the footage from Columbia, how it kind of looks nice with the depth of field and, you, you know, the effort they're putting into kind of certain other aspects of it. Things like this can be made to a really high standard now. And Biden is signed off on everyone being okay to go do them. So I think it's really important to to kind of see the the first steps of what might be a, a super popular thing to do in a few years. Um, you know, forming uh, the mistakes that they make in this documentary will inform other documentaries that are coming out easily. Yeah, I would agree. If you if you have the the spare cash it's the same it's less than the cost of a takeaway or a couple of beers or a couple or a, a, a few coffees then yeah go and watch it pay pay to rent it or, or pay to buy it whatever is your is your kind of poison um i think you'll you'll come away from it frustrated but i think there are parts in there that will frustrate you in a good way that you'll want to see more and you'll be glad for having seen them People yeah. like Kevin, Gary, Jeremy and others within the body of the documentary do a good job and it's interesting to see the equipment and to see what could have been and it makes me want to see, you know, if UAPX can get someone else to back them next time or or do this themselves, I get it's not cheap, I would I would be all in on a follow-up through UAPX directly because um, there was some interesting stuff here. I'm disappointed in the way Caroline went about it, the way she presented it the way it was portrayed um and even if it was her money which is her money sorry that she used to fund this take your ego out of it and allow the allow the the study and the data and the science and the team to do the work and just be happy that you can make and contribute to a product and getting that out there because otherwise i'm not saying it is but it can look like you're just in this to make money that you've just made ancient aliens or skinwalker ranch the movie and it's out there because you wanted to put william shatner and mitchell kaku as sound bites in a documentary they they were in in the after film discussion as well um is this the, the UAPX roundtable? Yeah, yeah, the UAPX Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So follow so, afterwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say that they they speak about the production team moving certain equipment once they'd set it up. So things like that just make me think that the, the production team really didn't respect the scientific work that was going on because why would you move that scientific instrument? Like that you're there to respect that and to tell people about that. You know, you're not just going to willy-nilly move it around because you want to put your camera there. Um, I, I think that kind of speaks volumes about the the attitude. Yeah, remember Dan when we all went to London for that top secret super mission that weekend? And oh yeah, I remember. We all when we met that grey. Yeah, 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 that was it. Uh, we all crammed into that be Airbnb, um, and it was a good, it was a good time. We'll be doing it again soon. But uh, for for us sitting and setting up a camera in the sitting room with your background and expertise, Dan, you moved lots of lights about. 
and you knew what you were doing, so we let you do it. You had a better idea than the rest of sure, us, yeah. but what I didn't do when you started moving lights about to get the optimal lighting for all of us on camera was go up and start moving it elsewhere and go, nah, I think it'll be better here because <laughs> I don't know what you're doing it for and I, it's not my area of expertise, so I just left it to the expert. And like you say, I feel that's where they got involved when they didn't have to. Um, again, Fallout-wise, there was quite a lot very quickly after, I mean, actually before this was released on the 3rd of May, I think on the 2nd of May, um, I believe it was Jeremy McGowan was already commenting on certain aspects they were unhappy about uh, in terms of what was filmed and how it was presented. Caroline Corey then got in defending the presentation, saying that people agreed to everything that happened. That doesn't seem to be the way Gary and co felt about the overall presentation at the end. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say they were disappointed with how it turned out. And again, I believe on the day or day after release of the documentary, uh, Kevin Day left UAPX. That's right. Greener pastures. But there, it was there strange. Was no bad blood, it seems. No, no, that that's right. Yeah, because I saw the conversation on Facebook where Kevin mentioned because of the documentary, he had the opportunity to join another research team. I thought it was odd, given, and, and I've interviewed Kevin Day a couple of times along with Gary as part of UAPX, um, that very quickly Kevin has left this kind of passion project of his for for something else. Honestly, I haven't seen where he's going and why. I don't know if you have, Dan, honestly, because I, I genuinely haven't. Um, it just seems very odd. Gary was very nice and, again, straight away on the Facebook post said, you'll be sorely missed. It's been great working with you. You know, all the best in your new venture. It, it seems an odd decision by Kevin, though, to to do that. I don't know, Dan. It's like, it's I mean, like he, me, he me and you doing... Big bucks by the men in black. We don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't want to start. Yeah, no, I know, there. I know, but it's just such a strange you know, I, move. I, I hear you. Like, I hear you. It, like it seems like they were about to kind of hit the ground running with this documentary being yeah. released, and now he's stepping away from it. Yeah, like, like us doing this. Um, you, me, and you going on to a, a big you not Rogan, right? Because it's not Joe Rogan, but like a reasonably decent. Uh, it's like us going in Jimmy Church, right? And then the next thing I know, like the day after, you're going, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm really happy to announce that I'm leaving that UFO podcast and I'm I'm off to do this thing with Jimmy. And it's a great opportunity. And it's like, huh? Literally yesterday we were doing this and today you're off doing this now? It just seems a really strange move from Kevin. For, for what it's worth, I'd never leave you for Jimmy. I felt dirty when you said that. <laughs> yeah, I know you wouldn't leave me for Jimmy Church, yeah. Others, yeah, but not Jimmy. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it seems really odd, very strange, really strange timing. And it was a crazy amount of drama all in the space of a couple of days of this being released, not even days, like hours, that Kevin left. Gary's looking to take some time off. The documentary seems to fell flat on its face. Corey was defending the presentation of it. Did she go a bit rogue? Who knows? But Ultimately, yes, we recommend going to check it out. However, um, that's that's our honest review of it. And folks, we won't ever lie about anything. Or Even when we're giving these things, I really hope any directors, producers, or people involved in the PR are, are always willing to let us share our honest thoughts. Because otherwise, don't send us a screener. As, as much as we'd be disappointed not to get the chance to talk about these, I would still pay and buy them anyway. 
but we're always going to be honest and we are still recommending people watch it because like we always say make up your own mind don't listen to me don't listen to dan you can listen to our opinion but completely make up your your own mind with anything to do with this subject because you may come away from it really have enjoyed it and enjoy that presentation it's yeah. not for me it wasn't for dan but it might be for you you know there, um, there are people out there that really enjoyed the demi lovato series for example and from a certain angle i can totally appreciate why, why that might have been your window into it so mm. so don't think that we're just saying that something is objectively awful um it just means that it wasn't for us but i'm glad that this got made i'm glad that it's out there as an example to people that they can make it um or do things like this and investigate uap and I kind of the the summarizing thing for me would be that with all the equipment malfunctions and everything moving around, I, I would say that this documentary justifies why we need something like the Galileo project with the permanent observatories all set up, triangulating, collecting data twenty four seven with full staff looking at them all the time. Yeah. And and funny you say that, Dan, about the Demi Lovato documentary. All three of the people who enjoyed it are on the podcast with me next week. Uh, so I'm joking. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. But he, everyone has their own say, Sean, Sean Kale's coming on next week. <laughs> hey. Um, hi, Sean. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if you enjoyed it and it's for you, brilliant. There are other documentaries coming this year. We know James Fox Moment of Contact is coming out in the coming months. Um, but already, um, the Aerial Phenomenon documentary is out uh 20th of may dan and i have seen it um we won't release our thoughts or reviews yet until it's released because that's that's what we're asked to do and um, but we record the preview and review of it sorry ready for when it comes out um I- i'll just say i enjoyed it more than this yes i would agree with that that's it but we won't spoil anything about it but yeah i enjoyed it more than this it's very different um so yeah in the meantime dan again good to record again we'll be getting back in the swing of it folks i i I think i've said on social media but if you're listening to this you're not on socials i have been working uh, non-stop for the last now five weeks from the office it's taken up kind of all my my time during the week uh so it's been hard to get days and times to record and everything as well so and obviously dan has a life at the weekend so i can't just drag dan away from doing stuff at very peculiar times as well however (laughs) we've not skipped a beat in that time we might have had a few shows we normally would have put out like breakdowns or news updates but we'll be making up to you so you've had the the breaking news pod already this week and you've got this now a tear in the sky review previously the jeremy corbell audio has come out and next week you've got the gary nolan interview coming out as well so there's plenty to come and keep you going over the next couple of weeks and hopefully dan hopefully after the 17th of may we can talk about those congressional hearings and anything that may have come out off the back of those as well i'd say keep an eye out on uh social media because myself Vinny, and uh sean rash are going to be doing a live watch along of those hearings we'll see how long we last uh, we're in a couple of different time zones we'll have coffee and popcorn um and yeah we'll be kind of just watching and helping process this quite frankly historic moment sure and completely unrelated but i will be totally unavailable on the 18th of may if you're a football fan you will know why so until then dan thanks for your time thank you and we'll speak to you soon that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access the shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast 
of course on Twitter it's at UFO UAPAM and again folks as always keep looking up you never know what you might see It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more ass. Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should see because it doesn't really scare me. Tic-tac and not quite.